fight for the things that you care about, but do it in a way that will lead others to join you. People ask me sometimes, when, when do you think it will be enough? When will, it, will there be enough women on the court? And my answer is, when there are nine. If you want to be a true professional, you will do something outside yourself, something to make life a little better for people less fortunate than you. A meaningful life is one lives not just for oneself, but for one's community. Welcome to Live, Laugh, Lore, episode 25, the show that actually believes every voice matters. Each episode, we normally check in and have some laughs, but there's not a lot of that going on right now. So, well, my name is Jin, someone who refuses to be part of the problem anymore, and I'm joined by Allie, someone that has honestly helped me get through these past two weeks, even as she struggled herself. So thank you for that. Well, you helped me while I was struggling, too. So it's a, it's a mutual thing, really. Well, again, thanks. I actually very much appreciate it. Now, um, since we all kind of know what we've all been doing these past two weeks and three years, you're probably listening to it now, as we like to say, doom scrolling, following the story at a very unhealthy mm-hmm. level. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So how are you holding up Allie? That is a great question. I had actually, so I read show notes immediately just earlier tonight, and I had to think about myself and like check in, like, how am I doing? And I don't know. <laughs> I'm at that awkward place where, you know, after a big event like this or a trauma or whatever, at some point and that point, it happens differently, no matter what the it will, depending on what the subject is that this point reaches differently. But I'm at that point where there is a thing that has happened. Things are rough right now and it has settled in. Like I've accepted that this is where we're at right now. Yeah. If that makes sense. The, the shock has worn off. I think is a good way to explain it. The disgust and the sadness and frustration and madness and all of that has not worn off. But now it's a state that I'm in. That makes sense. I actually think it makes total sense because I think I am roughly in the exact same point as you. And I'll just put it this way. And I mean, we can just banter about this for a little bit because that's kind of what I had planned for for the beginning part is. Yeah, yeah. Um, it feels like the, like, like you, like you said, the shock is over, but it's, I don't know, like (laughs) as dorky as it sounds, I'll just say it almost feels like this is when the work begins, you know? Yeah, no, and that's absolutely right. And I know for me, like just on a very personal level, like, and you know, this junk, I've talked to you about it, but as, as a female content creator, like I've felt like I need, I've needed to have all the right words and speak up and speak out and whatever. And that's how both male and female and non-binary everyone has felt, honestly. Well, not everyone. I can't speak for everyone. I'm not going to speak for everyone. That's a lot of content creators have felt. And it's hard to find those right words. And I tried so many times and I'm, I'm exhausted. I'm doing, I'm doing better than last week with that because I had Friday off, which was good. Cause I was, I think I was about ready to, 
snap last week. So uh, the day off really helped. But it's it's hard to constantly be dealing with this. Like, it's good to take those little mini breaks here and there and not feel like you have to keep scrolling or not feel like you have to wait for the next story to break. And yeah, because there's been a lot of that. Just waiting for like the next story, you know, every lunch break, like, okay, what's the newest news on this? Like what's going on? So it's, uh, it's tiring, but at the same time, like it pales in comparison to those who are actually the victims and the marginalized at Blizzard, Activision Blizzard, and those who have been dealing with this and actually standing up and making that fight. So it's, uh, it's a whole thing. Yeah. I mean... I guess so far, at least the past, we and I can just speak for today. Um, it's been nice to start seeing the glimmers of hope. Um, yeah, definitely, especially today. Yeah, today, t- today actually made it feel like okay. I think I made the right decision. Uh, today, we got the news that uh, J. Allen Brack has stepped down, which is like okay, that's that's good. I actually think that the. <laughs> The other news that came out was the I don't I don't even remember the name, but it was the the head of HR. Does it matter? Yeah, the head of <laughs> HR is gone, and I was like, yeah, yeah, you're good. You should, yeah, yeah. right? Like, <laughs> and it's it's hard, it's hard to know if it's one of those things where they decided to step down or higher ups were like, yeah, we're gonna need you to just go ahead and step out. We'll give you a severance package and stuff, but we're gonna need you to leave. Yeah, I'm guessing it's more like that. I definitely think it's probably more like that where it's the because, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I went through one of those, uh, not me personally, but someone where, where I work, where it was very much a, yeah, bad things have happened. Um, we're not mad at you, but we're going to have to have you leave because um, it, I, it was it's it's just it was a. um it's, it, I think it was very much optics. It's like we're doing something to take care of the problem, right? Yeah, yeah. It did feel a little bit like they're trying to look good. Yeah. And look like they're it, da- damage control. Mm-hmm. Damage control. What is What has been nice out of this, and that's I feel like nice isn't the right word. One of my glimmers of hope, let's go with that. One of my glimmers of hope has been uh, the... Activision Blizzard King employees pulling together and it's not their job to be inspiring. It's their job to fight. But in that fight, they are inspiring. And to see them pulled together, you know, not only that employee letter with the, you know, 35, 3,800, whatever that signed, but the, the walkout and then the newest employee letter that came out today basically saying, Hey, You've done nothing and from our list of demands, basically. And you also hired a law firm when we said that we wanted to be a part of the third party. I mean, good job going third party, but um, yeah, we feel like that third party is a little biased and doesn't want us to unionize and is buddy-buddy with a lot of higher-ups and executives. Yeah, we're not happy with this. Yeah. It's true, we're not. But to see all that, to see... um. Oh my gosh, what is the Twitter handle? At a better ABK, I think is the Twitter handle. But that's, uh, it's it's basically their, their Twitter, like putting all their stuff out and all the information and stuff. And just to see them pulled together and fight, uh, it, like I said, it's it's inspiring. And I'm, I feel like it's not my place to be proud of them, 
but I'm really freaking proud of them. <laughs> well, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with being proud of them because honestly, they're the reasons I'm still wanting to stick around. Like genuinely. Exactly. Yeah. Um, me too. The, those that have been doing, um, you know, speaking out, you know, calling them out for their, for their BS, you know, Fran blocking, you know, employees, things like that. Oh, f- <laughs> I feel like the, the, just mentioning the name Fran now makes my blood boil. And that's all it takes. Just like, Hey, Ali, Fran, just immediate blood boiling, just rage inside my soul. Yeah. And I think that's, I don't know. I, the, the employees that are there, because, you know, you and I, we were, we were at BlizzCon. We, you know, we I didn't have a long conversation with, with too many of the employees, but like, you know, to chat with Chrissy Golden, I got, I got to chat with um, Taryn Gregory, you know. I miss Taryn. I'm so sad. Yeah. And, and just all these different things where you're just like, yeah, okay. I remember now why I actually like this company is because some really awesome people work there, right? Yeah. And and this these past two weeks has reminded that okay, corporate may be truly shitty, shitty, shitty. Uh, but the you know, the those that actually are doing the work I'm I am incredibly proud of. And it's and, and yeah, like you said, it's like I'm not like oh, I'm proud of you. It's not being condescending or anything like that. I just Right. Yeah, definitely not that. It I don't know. It's it just feels nice to know that those that still work, those that are working there still want to work there because it's very much a, I don't know, I don't know exactly the words to describe it, but they want it to be the place that they thought it was. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They, they want to make that company to be the workplace that we all thought it was. Like, I mean, I remember crap, like 97, you know, 2001, playing these games like you know when i first played you know warcraft 3 i was like this has got to be the coolest freaking place to work coolest freaking place to work. <laughs> and yeah and and well and this is the the part of me where i know that i can go that a little embarrassed uh is it probably would have been the coolest place on the planet for me to work uh if i hadn't grown up and realized how stupid that was um right because, yeah, I am a cisgendered, straight, white male who likes to laugh at some dumb jokes sometimes. Um, so, yeah, it's it's one of those things where you just you, you look at it and, you, and, yeah, that probably would have been a dream job for me. And sadly, it's a nightmare for so many others that deserve it to be a dream job, too. And let's just say I'm not proud of who I would have been probably had I got a job there. <laughs> I'm very happy with who I have uh, slowly uh, become over the years because uh, my wife will be the first to tell you I didn't start out this way. I was a work in progress. <laughs> it's, but, you know, that's that's how we all are. And um, exactly. Well, luckily, that's uh, I never I never did anything like that. And yeah, I don't know. I'm not going to sit here and say I'm good, bad, whatever. But <laughs> it's uh, I don't know. I just I, I, I hate to think that. You know, I, I don't know. It's just a, a company that you you hold in such high regard. It's one of those things that I, I think Scott Johnson said it best in one of the episodes of The Instance where he's like, it's like, yep, never doing that again. Never going to hold a company to the, I'm never going to put it on a pedestal. Yeah. And that's the thing, right? Like the number of times that we all put something, whatever it may be, on a pedestal and it comes crashing down and it makes you wonder, why do we put these things and these people on pedestals? And then we just keep 
doing it because it's hard not to sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. It's, honestly, this whole, this whole ordeal that I've gone through in the past two weeks has been very much a, uh, I find it hard to trust people uh, at the moment. Like, you know, you think one thing and then other things come to light and it just, and it sucks. It really does. Like, I don't. Yeah, it really does. I do not like the way it, I, I don't like feeling the feels that I've felt these past two weeks. I'll put it that not way. Not good feels. There's good feels and bad feels. And these have been bad feels. Yeah, they've been very bad feels. And uh, I look forward to the the next good feels. But uh, they've been they've been few and far between <laughs> recently. So, so yeah. This is a different episode if you haven't figured it out already, uh, everybody. <laughs> Which you could probably um, guess. Um, yeah, and for, that's okay. Yeah. Sometimes these are necessary. Yeah, exactly. For a show that likes to focus on the positive. Hey, you know what? Flip the script. We're going to focus on the negative. <laughs> no, we're not focusing not on the Not the whole negative. episode. Not the whole episode. <laughs> it's actually, this This is, a lot of work went into this by Jen, because it's, you know, it's, it's we, we flip weeks, right? So this just happens to be his week, and he, he put a lot of love into these show notes. So it's, don't worry. It's all, it's not all negative. <laughs> not at all. No, it's not all negative, but there is some bumps in the road along the way in this uh, story that Such I got. Such is life. Yeah, it really does. So, um, I don't know. To answer the question in the notes here, how am I? I I'm okay. <laughs> I think it's the best I can. <laughs> Feels like that's probably an honest answer from you, too, from what I've gathered. Yeah, pretty much. There is So, sometimes when people ask if you're okay and you're like, I'm fine. I think, have you seen Italian Job? Ever seen the movie Italian Job? No. <laughs> okay. Well, Italian Job defines fine as freaked out, insecure, neurotic, and emotional. Like, huh? Yeah. I can I can kind of relate to that in, in some ways. Mm-hmm. I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm fine. Yeah. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> yeah. Well. Well, anyway, since it's a very special episode, um, what are we actually drinking this evening? I'm, I don't even know what you're drinking. I didn't, didn't even ask. Uh, so, so I love, we, we, so we, we just, Jin decided I thought it was a great idea. They would both kind of just pick our own drinks, like our comfort drinks, if you will. And I had three different avenues to go to for comfort drinks. One of them's not due. I decided I need something a little heavier than that. And I love that <laughs> the notes you said, private stock. Which would be avenue number two. And that was actually my original intention. And the thing is, I'm, I'm out of private stock, which is a shame. It is, is sad. I, I am ashamed. <laughs> but it's not really my fault. Well, it's kind of my fault. Not, kind of not really, because I would go on my lunch breaks and with the every intention to go pick up more private stock. And then I'd look at my phone and look at the news and the newest update and the newest news. Or I'd have, you know, some DMs to answer. And, and and that never happened. So I went for my other comfort drink, which don't worry, still involves Captain Morgan's. It is my lovely Dr. Pepper and Captain Morgan's. Oh, all right. It makes me it makes me happy. So that's what I that's what I went for. Awesome. I, I don't even know if I've ever even had that. Like we did Dr. Pepper and Fireball. That was pretty good. So, I mean, that's I don't think we've done that. I don't think I don't think I've had us do Dr. Pepper and Mountain Dew yet. Bob. Not Dr. Pepper Mandu. Let's not do that. Uh, Dr. Pepper and Captain Morgan. I could honestly probably tell you I've probably done that uh, when I was a kid. You go to the <laughs> fountain and you're just like. <laughs> one. 
See, I tried that once. It was kind of meh, but I always thought I was the most genius person ever because I would mix uh, either Sprite or 7-Up with uh, whatever orange drink was there. And I thought I was the most creative person for that drink because it's pretty tasty. I'm I'm not that creative. (laughs) (laughs) Plenty of other people have done that. They know it's great. Yeah, you like citrus and citrus and more citrus. Hmm, probably going to work. <laughs> Just the orange, especially orange and Sprite for some reason. Those two worked really well together. I don't know, but um, no, uh, we have not done Dr. Pepper and Captain Morgan's. That was going to be one of my future suggestions. Um, I was giving it some space because, you know, I usually tend to request rum drinks. So I was going <laughs> to wait. <laughs> we'll get to it eventually. You'll try it. Don't worry. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, well, uh, I do not have uh, Captain Morgan and Dr. Pepper. I have a margarita. <laughs> I'm actually, I would love to try a gin margarita at some point in time. Um, They're very good. They're very good. I can imagine. Uh, yeah. Uh, I've probably told the recipe before on uh, other pr- previous times been discussing beverages but i can tell you it's so obviously this is going to be like a batch okay like multiple drinks yeah Yeah, it's not a pitcher it's 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 the size of it's it's it gets you this much right so it gets you that much margarita so like what roughly 32 ounces 38 what what is it is it did you say i think we said it was 32 ounce mason jar when you got that one Feel like I'd have to look at the order form at this moment. <laughs> I think it's in the 30s. <laughs> right. Sure, let's go with that. Right. Anyway, 32. I want to say 32. That sounds right. That sounds right. <laughs> Americans in our weird. We still use imperial measurements. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> um, so let me think. This is it's a cup and a half of your favorite tequila. Um, I uh, usually go for anything that is uh, middle of the road, honestly, because I don't want to go like I don't want to spend 50 bucks on Patron or something like that. Yeah, no. Honestly, one of these days I do want to do it and just see if it's any better. (laughs) Is this really better? (laughs) You know what I mean? You you know, you just want to like do it's worth it's worth a try. Compare and contrast, maybe. But anyway, so you get a cup and a half of your favorite tequila and then you're going to have eight ounces, which I believe that is a cup. Um Eight ounces of your uh, fresh squeezed lime juice. It's fresh squeezed. That, it has that's to be a big point there. It's, that is that is literally the, what really makes the <laughs> difference. It actually that's what makes it different from anyone else's. That's like I can't gonna... be lazy and just squeeze out lime juice from a bottle. I mean, you can if you wanted to taste like garbage. I mean, <laughs> 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 I mean it's. It's possible. I'm not saying that it's you can't do it. I'm just you're just not going to have a good time. I mean, if you want to have a bad time, do that. But if you want to have a good time, <laughs> make it fresh. <laughs> so, fair enough, fair enough. Okay, and uh, let's see. So then it's a, I think it's about a quarter cup of triple sec. Okay. And then a half a cup of simple syrup. Right. And if you don't know how to make simple syrup, it's just literally one part water, one part sugar, and then boil it. And then you got simple syrup. There you go. Bam. Yeah, mix that all up and then put it, serve it over ice. It's freaking fantastic. It really is. It's wonderful. And then obviously, since this is uh, cocktails and cocktails all about proper ratios, you can you can make that go higher or lower. And just you just got to do the math. Get your calculator out and figure it out. 
because I actually <laughs> just, just do the math. Yeah, I actually uh, I didn't double it. <laughs> I did a I did a one point five that, so I made a pitcher today. <laughs> there you see, there's the pitcher. Yeah, it, it was in there somewhere. There was a whole pitcher that I made. Yeah. All right. So, you, you ready for a uh, ready for a very interesting main topic today? Yeah. Yeah. All let's right. do this. All right. Well, let's jump right in. What you talking about? What you talking about? What you talking about? As we already discussed uh, in the beginning of this, uh, in the beginning of the previous episode, and obviously a little bit here already, Activision Blizzard is being sued by the California Department of Fair Employment and Housing. Yay! All right. So the complaint alleges a culture of discrimination and harassment towards women, minorities, and just a whole hell of a lot more. It's, it's yeah, it's a thing. All right. <laughs> it's yeah. However, I am no legal expert, even though I listen to legal podcasts. I am not. So I will leave that to the legal experts and just go with what I am actually pretty good at telling stories. All right. I think I uh, will give myself a pat on the back and say I'm actually okay at that. So you are. You are. Right. You're good. I'll say you're great. You're not just okay. You're great. Well, thank you for that. I appreciate it. So. Today, I wanted to tell a story of several women that, myself included, did not necessarily know all their names. Uh, spoiler alert, uh, if you go to the nation's capital, they actually are a statue. All mm, two plus one more that I do, and actually three out of the f- five people that I'm going to be talking about today, are there's a statue of them. And if you went there and you'd be like, who they? Well, I'm going to tell you who they are. <laughs> Right, Which is good, because honestly, I'm looking at these names, and I'll be honest, I know a couple of them, and that's about it, which makes me really sad. Don't worry, I, I'm ashamed. I only knew of one of them, so please do not. <laughs> Thank you, uh, freaking uh, United States public education system. I feel like you failed me, because <laughs> um, these names are super important, um, and we're going to learn about them today. All right. Anyway, let's see. Where did I leave off here? So anyway. And part of the story, I'm going to give you a little glimpse in how I like to process news like this, right? It's how I like to make sense of senseless actions. I'm this kind of person that um, I always need context. I always want to know the backstory. I want to know as much about it as possible. So you all get to join me on that process today. So today we will be looking to the past to make sense of the present and hopefully learn a few things we all should have known already. Well, the U.S.-based listeners, at least. I'm not looking at you, Drew Chorus. I don't blame you if you don't know these names. But honestly, you might know them. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I don't expect international listeners to know this, so you're all off the hook. But the rest of us, I don't know. Like, I was actually, so a funny thing, I was actually doing some research on this, and, and you've already told me that several of these names did not ring a bell to you. Um, and I was very, no, no, I'm not going to say upset. It was just saddened by the fact that I, I, I read several comments on YouTube videos where someone was like, yeah, my history teacher just skipped over this just blatantly. And I'm just like, why? <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know. Like, so I, I, I knew of some people who were, you know, as I was growing up and even as, you know, became a teenager and started to be able to think myself a little bit. I and I mentioned this to you before in, in our chat, Jen, but like I grew up around people who found 
feminist annoying. Me too. And super right, like super annoying. You know, lots of uh, derogatory names and very frowned upon. And being the people pleaser that I am, I was like, okay, well, I guess I'm not going to go that route in life. And so when it came to learning some of these about some of these amazing women and the fights they had and all of that, it was, I mean, I knew the big main one on here that like everyone knows at least a little bit about. Yeah. Yeah. And, we all know one of the names. Right. And that's it. Like, but that's it. And it, it makes me sad that like I, I let other people's judgment get into my own head and make me think that I wasn't almost like I wasn't allowed to look into this history and learn these things and be proud to be a woman and, and of our past and that kind of thing. And, and it's, it's, it's on me for allowing myself to think that, but at the same time, it's sad that for some, that's the culture they live up in that they're, you know, they're not allowed to learn about their past. Yeah. Yeah. A quick glimpse into my household. Uh, Rush Limbaugh was on in the household every weekday. So there you go. Just imagine that a little <laughs> practically socialist gen was growing up in that household. <laughs> okay, moving on. Fun times. Wow. So yep. <laughs> if you haven't gathered so far, all right, this is a story of the birth of the women's movement in the United States up to the passage of the 19th Amendment. This is only one episode, so I couldn't fit too much more in here or else I would have because... Lots of amazing other people that we really should bring light to. And hey, if we're still feeling bummed, hey, maybe we'll do it next time. I don't know. So I'm, um, yeah, it might be a little by, maybe, maybe a little bit longer before we get back to Warcraft. But for now, let's have some fun. Yeah. Yeah. So obviously, where do we get, where are we going to start a story like this? Well, if you uh, remember from a, another show I did, it's called The Beginning. But technically, I can't go all the way back because, again, we only have one episode. So we're going to be starting in 1815. All right. And that is going to be with the birth of the first woman that we, again, probably should have known about already. But I didn't. Literally learned about her just a, just a couple weeks ago because or not a couple weeks ago. It was literally like a week ago at this point. I was right. like, who is this? Because I did these notes and I was like, this lady is the coolest person on the planet. Uh, well, I don't know, there's a whole bunch of them. Actually, technically, I'm going to say the third or fourth person that we... I'll, I'll bring her up when, I th when I'll when i let you know who my favorite <laughs> is in the story. <laughs> anyway, so Elizabeth Katie Stanton. If you know who Elizabeth Katie Stanton is, well done. You paid attention in AP US history. I apparently didn't. <laughs> so... Anyway, so she was born in 1815 in Johnstown, New York, to Margaret Livingston and Daniel Cady. All right. Now, if you're wondering, and fun fact about uh, pretty much anybody in this time frame that was kind of like really into um, social social movements and abolitionists, because to say um, really fun fact, pretty much everyone in the story were staunch abolitionists. Another reason they're awesome. Uh, so go them, uh, except a couple people, but we don't know their names. But anyway, we'll, <laughs> I'll bring them up. Don't <laughs> worry. It's a, it's a fun little fact in here. Anyway, um, and, and this is just a, just a, one of those fun facts of, uh, of, of history in general is the higher up you get into the, um, like the, the, the social hierarchy, uh, the more oppressed the, the women were, because if you were basically poor, yeah, you were kind of on equal footing with your husband because you were both totally oppressed. <laughs> so, yeah, 
That's why most of the people True. we will be learning about uh, were very much rich uh, or very like super high up there. But that's the way it works because her parents, Elizabeth Cady Santons, were two of the most prominent members of the town. And her father was a lawyer and a state assemblyman. All right. Now, obviously, we're not going to stick in 1815 because that was the year she was born. Now, we're going to jump over into 1840 where she married uh, the abolitionist lecturer, Henry Stanton. That's where she gets the name, Elizabeth Cady Stanton. All right. Uh, and she became very active in the anti-slave movement. Okay. So that was that's where actually she got her start is she was very much like slavery sucks. Uh, we're not doing this. In fact, fun fact, she was so into this on her honeymoon. When she, she she was honeymooning in London, they were going to attend a the I believe it was the yeah World's Anti Slavery Convention. They had a whole convention. Wow! They were basically going to Comic Con, but for not slavery. Okay, which I totally would would have been to that that convention. That sounds awesome. I didn't even know that was a convention. Not gonna lie. I didn't either until a week ago. So I no judgment. <laughs> okay. Every single time you say I didn't know that, I'm probably gonna say. Me neither. <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay, so so on her honeymoon, she was like, yeah, let's go check this out, babe. And she got turned away. You're not allowed in because she was a woman. Yay, fun times that is. Welcome to 1840, everybody. Um, anyway, well, this is where she actually met. Uh, her name was Lucretia Mott. We will not be covering much of Lucretia Mott today. However... If you go to that the, the, the statue at the Capitol, it's a statue of Elizabeth Cady Stanton, Lucretia Mott, and the third one you can probably guess, and we'll get to her in just a minute. <laughs> anyway, now why are we even bringing up these these uh, these characters? Is because well, they Lucretia Mott and um, and Mrs. Stanton they became very fast friends, and they were both obviously very annoyed at the fact that they were like, hey, we want to stay down with slavery, but they wouldn't let us in. Thank you, London. Appreciate that. So, eight years later, they decided to kick off what was the very first, basically, uh, women's rights convention in the United States. This was held in Seneca Falls, New York, and it has now been known as the Seneca Falls Convention. Now, I'm going to ask you the question, have you heard of this? I want to say yes, in a decent, like, long lost memory because I don't I don't have the best long term memory to be fair but the name Seneca Falls when I read that actually rang a bell and so I feel like at some point I heard about the first women's right convention or, or gathering or whatever and that it was Seneca Falls but I couldn't tell you what all happened there and if I heard that name just out of the blue like yeah, and what happened at Seneca Falls, blah, 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 I wouldn't have remembered. <laughs> but in correlation to all these things, it does ring a vague bell. That's, okay. That's about it. Well, if you had asked me two or three weeks ago, hey, Jen, do you know what happened at Seneca Falls in 1848? I would have said, where? <laughs> 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 like, I, I had nothing. Like, this is this is all new to me. Okay. Okay. So we get the Seneca Falls Convention. We talked about that. Anyway, that actually took place July 19th and 20th. One of those, uh, it's kind of like BlizzCon. It was a two-day convention. Uh, there you go. Yeah. July yeah. 19th and 20th, right there in Seneca Falls in New York. In 1848, they were held to discuss the social, civil, and religious rights of women. All right. There were actually more than 300 in attendance. I actually put here more than 300 women in attendance. It may actually be true. 
Um, but I do know some men were in attendance too, so good job, men. Good job. Uh, one of those men in attendance I have heard of, I do not feel bad about not knowing this name, it was Frederick Douglass. Yes, that one I have heard of. Yeah, yeah, so we did know that. So he was there. Yeah, he was in attendance. Uh, he was one of those dudes that was, uh, let's just say, Frederick Douglass, the more you learn about, the more you realize, what have I been doing with my life? This man is amazing. <laughs> Basically, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so... Um, He's fantastic. Um, and obviously, the reason why Frederick Douglass is there is because, as I uh, mentioned, and we were talking about how this got kind of started because they were denied entry to the uh, anti-slavery convention in London. So all these were pretty much abolitionists. Okay, so they're they're all pretty much involved in the anti-slavery movement at this time. Now, at this convention, uh, what happened is uh, Mrs. Stanton here, Elizabeth Cady Stanton, she actually wrote uh, the Declaration of Sentiments. Okay. Declaration of Sentiments is basically a play on the Declaration of Independence. When, in the course of human events, it becomes necessary for one portion of the family of man to assume among the people of the earth a position different from that which they have hitherto occupied, but one to which the laws of nature and of nature's God entitle them. A decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes that impel them to such a course. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men and women are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. Love it. And if you recognize that, it's pretty much right there on par. And one of the biggest changes is that all men and women. And women. <laughs> hmm. Good job, Thomas Jefferson. You forgot that part. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 The more you learn about him, the more you realize, oh, you were smart, but not a good dude. <laughs> no, he, he wasn't. And it's one of those things where on one hand, Harmony's like, Wanting to logically chalk it up to the fact that that's just how it was back then. Very, very much so. That it was men and, you know, it was all about the men and women were the lower class and whatever. But it it shouldn't have been that way. Right. Which is sad. But that's, that's what it was. It's true. Now, um, speaking of which, uh, the one of the really interesting things that um, you could probably asked the question, and I actually had this question, and I, I got the answer while doing a little bit of these studies recently as I was looking into this. It's, okay, well, these people don't have the right to vote. What's with them creating these conventions? How are they doing all this stuff where they're, you know, you know, creating these big social movements and, and trying to drive the, you know, the, the moral compass of the country in many ways? Well, because that was all part of the patriarchy is because men were supposed to be the providers. They were supposed to be those who made the decisions. Uh, but they also believed that women were the the moral compass of the nation. So that's why those, you know, with the means that didn't have to work in you know agriculture or things like that, the lower class, basically, they were able to do these all sorts of things where they, they, they were able to uh, those things. And as a matter of fact, a lot of these women were also involved in the temperance movement. 
If you know anything about the temperance movement. Oh, yeah. Well, that's where prohibition came from, which we'll talk about in just a second. <laughs> as we drink. Yes, as we drink. And I make a joke about that. <laughs> Don't worry. <laughs> Yeah, it's because a lot of these people, like, for example, women being involved in the anti-slavery movement, they felt like it was a moral wrong, which it obviously was. So there you go. Yes, very much so. (laughs) So there we go. Anyway, now, as you can probably guess, the backlash to those that signed this document was pretty severe. So much so that many of the women withdrew their names. Well, it sucks, but that is the reality of what it was. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, They were basically slandered in all the newspapers saying that you're, yeah, you can just use your imagination. And it was probably written in the newspapers about them. So anyway, so this, however, actually pushed Stanton into the fight for equal rights even more. It's basically like, oh, doth protest too much, I think. (laughs) It's it's like, all right, Right? then. In that case, I'm going to be fighting even harder. And she did. So anyway. Seneca Falls Convention is actually seen as the start of the women's rights movement, which also began the decades-long struggle for women's suffrage. Speaking of women's suffrage, let's talk about the one we all know about. (laughs) Susan (laughs) B. Anthony. (laughs) Good old Susan B. Anthony. Yeah, she got a, what is it, is it Silver Dollar? That, like, no one uses in this country anymore? <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, he relegated to that, and Andrew Jackson got the 20, asshole. All right. <laughs> I really hope Harriet Tubman takes him over, because she is, I'm just saying, learn about Harriet Tubman. She's a badass. Anyway. <laughs> no, she is. She's a serious badass. She is. Oh, she is, she is. All right. Now, our Zed, Susan B. Anthony, perhaps the most famous advocate for women's suffrage, because she's the one that we all know about, because she was on a coin. All right. Well, Mrs. Anthony over here, she was born in 1820. As you can see, that's why we started with Elizabeth Cady Stanton, because Stanton is five years older. <laughs> all right. Well, this is the one, this is one little fun fact that I, I did not actually know about um, Susan B. Anthony. She was born a Quaker. She was born a Quaker in, um, in a family in Massachusetts. So she was from Massachusetts, born into Quakers, and she was raised to be independent and outspoken. Seems normal to me. Uh, That's basically how my wife was raised, (laughs) to be independent and outspoken. I can see that, and I love her. Yes. (laughs) Me too. Yeah. All right. Now, her parents, as well as most Quakers, believed that men and women should work together as equals and strive to end cruelty and injustice in the world. This is why the Quaker Oats dude gets to stay on the oatmeal. (laughs) (laughs) That's why, huh? Well, um, so uh, recently (laughs) I got into TikTok. I don't know. You probably it's fine if you haven't. Um, But let's just say I've seen some. I've seen some videos uh, where people were making really dumb arguments about. You know, it wasn't uh, specifically um, last June, July timeframe with the the George Floyd stuff that all went down. Um, And a lot of companies were doing what companies do. Not going to necessarily say they were doing the right thing, but in this case, I support it. (laughs) Right. Uh, Well, they decided to change the Aunt Jemima, right? Aunt Jemima. Right, remember uh, that. Yeah, that one. Well, Quaker Oats. No change there. Why is that? Because he's a Quaker. <laughs> Quakers have never owned slave. They hated the institution of slavery, and yeah. they always fought against it. So there you go. Learn about the Quakers. Okay, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. All right. I like it. It's good. 
Yeah, as a matter of fact, I actually looked into it. At, at the founding of the country, the Quakers were pretty much the only religious organization that was like, no, that is a moral wrong and we will not take part. So, yeah, Quakers. And now you see Susan B. Nice. Anthony. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Once again, things I didn't know. <laughs> right? Now, the reason I'm going to bring up our old pal, uh, Mrs. Susan B. Anthony second is we hear it live left Laura disagree with her on one topic. She was very heavily involved in the temperance movement before she joined the fight for women's suffrage. Uh. <laughs> now, obviously, okay, obviously drinking is not for everyone. We fully support and respect that. We have a couple of friends of ours who are, you know, fellow podcasters who, who don't drink. And that and that's we obviously do not judge them and we support them in that. Yes. And um just like I, they're okay if we drink. Absolutely. And fun fact, um, there's a chance I might have been involved in the temperance movement if I lived at this time. Because um, let's just say, on average, the men at the time, in this particular time period of the 1840s, 50s time frame, yeah, three times as much per capita is how much they were drinking. They were drunk constantly. It was actually a severe wow. problem. <laughs> like, yeah, the tea, the moderation, people. That's the big thing. <laughs> moderation. That is not moderation. Yeah, I think it was something around the like seven gallons per of per person per cap. It was it was insane how much they were. What? <laughs> it was insane. What? <laughs> wow. Yeah, it was one of those things where you're just like, how much was it? Seven. Holy crap. <laughs> Yeah, no, it was, it was it really was a general serious problem at the time. So uh, cannot fault anyone who was like, oh, God, I can't remember it. But it's uh, there was someone that was super heavily involved in the prohibition and she would use to she would storm into saloons with a hatchet and just, <laughs> just like <laughs> that was Carrie a nation because she always advocated for women's right to vote. Thank you for letting me vote, lady. Amen. I just smashed up these bars. Yeah. Bet it was cool. I sure like voting. I've heard those stories. I, I don't know who. I don't, I don't remember know her name. The name of the person, but I feel like I've heard of those before. Yeah, I don't remember the name, but it just sounds it sounds awesome, and I just kind of want just kind of want to see it. Uh, I wish someone had a cell phone video of it back then. That would have been freaking fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Look at this right. crazy lady busting up the casks. The there could have been an episode of Sliders for that. That would have been good. Can you yeah. imagine that? Yeah, that, that would have been, been fantastic. Cool. Yeah. Right? Just got to bring up Sliders again. It's, it's okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> hey, it's fine. Jerry O'Connell follows us both. It's, it's cool. Exactly. It's approved. Mm-hmm. It's approved. <laughs> he allows it. <laughs> now, obviously, she is not known for her fight in the temperance movement, our Susan B. Anthony over here. She's actually known for, obviously, being a one of the early advocates for women's suffrage. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the main reasons she uh, started fighting for women's suffrage is, well, obviously, it totally makes sense, and why the hell not? But also because uh, they, she felt like people wouldn't take her seriously unless she had the right to vote. So, bam, there you go. Yeah. Yeah, and then I also included a, an awesome picture of Susan B. Anthony and Elizabeth Cady Stanton. Because, yes, photographs exi- existed at the time, and... I don't know. They just seem cool. Uh, I don't know about you. 
Yeah, no, I can see it. You know, sit down at the table with them, having, you know, these deep conversations and everything. Yeah. Elizabeth Cady Stanton, she seems like the the super awesome, just like, um, like badass grandma. But Susan B. Anthony, when you look at her, you're just like, don't, don't mess with her. Yeah, she'll take you out. <laughs> she will take you out. <laughs> <laughs> she just seems like the very angry grandma. <laughs> <laughs> the angry grandma. It's, a, it's an older picture. I'm just saying. Like, I got you. Yeah. 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 She just looks angry. She just looks angry. <laughs> she, oh. she does. <laughs> well, it makes sense. She doesn't have the right to vote. So why the hell would she be angry? <laughs> True. Yes, she had every right to be angry. Yeah, it makes sense to me. Actually, I'd be like, I'd be like, really, you dudes screwing up all this mess? Do you think you can make these decisions and I can't, assholes? Right. All right. Well, as you can tell, we were in the 1840s, 1850s. Fast forward. Da 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 da. Not gonna, not gonna mess around too much with the Civil War because you, you could do an entire series, a podcast series on the Civil War, and we're not gonna. <laughs> Oh, that's a whole different like show entirely. It, it really is. All right. So anyway, <laughs> uh, we're just going to jump past the Civil War. And uh, like I, I put in notes here now, things as they always tend to do begin to get messy because following the Civil War, Anthony and Stanton were in agreement that the 15th Amendment. And if you don't know, the 15th Amendment is the one that granted the right to vote to all African-American men should not be ratified because it only granted the right to vote to African-American men. And they were like, the hell, give us all the vote. What is wrong with you? Right. So anyway, fun fact, that is uh, what they were both advocating for. And that's one of the things that you're just like, hmm, seems, I don't know, tactical mishap. I don't know. But there's a part of me that kind of agrees with them in a sense. I don't, I don't know. It's, it's hard to argue. I don't know. It's very difficult to argue either in, in either direction, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in the ideal world, yes, it would be a universal right to vote. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. Well, but it's also good to give African-American men the right to vote, too. But then you're still saying, screw you, women. Get right. back in the kitchen, which doesn't feel good. So, yeah. All right. So this Probably, as you can guess, just based on a little back and forth we had here, it actually led to a pretty, pretty dramatic schism in the women's right movement. Uh, because right here, what happened was, is one side said, uh, no, it, we should all get the right to vote. And the other side was like, all right, let's be tactical about this. Let's not do the, uh, let's not let the perfect be the enemy of the good. All right, let's not do that. All right. So they decided that one side was like, all right, let's give the votes to the African-American men. And the other side were like, no, let's give the vote to everybody, everybody. And they split. They split. They were they they they, one side went this way. One side went that way. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, Fast forward. Fast forward to 1870. The 15th Amendment was ratified, granting the African-American men the right to vote. And uh, again, if you following along with the history just the men so i'm trying to figure out like which side like i would side on because tactically and logically yeah like just do it for everyone but if it was me back then i would probably say at least give the african-american men a chance to vote and we'll keep fighting as we have been fighting but that's it's 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 rough i i can see i can see the the frustration there 
Yeah, you can, you can see the fight. And, and I, I totally saw the fight, too, because if you're talking strategically, you know, just getting one group of people the right to vote would probably be easier to convince others to go for rather than just say, open it up to everybody, right? So, yeah. Uh, even though I do agree with opening up to everybody, like, come on, if you're a citizen. Of course, yeah. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, so, yeah, there you go. That's That was the big schism that actually happened. Uh, good news, though. Uh, they eventually got back together and they said, all right, well, 1870 has come and gone. 1890, 20 years later, they decided, all right, let's bygones be bygones. And they have reformed what has been known as the National American Women's Suffrage Association or NASA. It's a little abbreviation, NASA. There's, it's it's like NASA, but there's a W there, in there. There's a W in there, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, so they're not going to the moon, they just want the right to vote. All right. Now, Elizabeth Cady Stanton was the first president of the National American Women's Suffrage Association, and then Susan B. Anthony was its second. Once again, why I started with Elizabeth Cady, Cady Stanton and then went to Susan B. Anthony second. All right. Well, fun fact about NASA. They didn't just advocate for universal suffrage, they also fought for reform for marriage and divorce laws because, hmm. uh, yeah, if your husband's a piece of crap, you should be able to divorce him. And I agree with that. Yes. Next one, super important, expansion to education for women. Absolutely. I agree with Yes, there. absolutely. And here's a fun one that you may not <laughs> yeah, have known. I like this. I didn't know this one. Adoption of less confining clothing. <laughs> yeah, that's what's up. Yeah, because it's like, <laughs> really? I got to wear this crap? <laughs> right, like just looking at pictures from, you know, the old timey back in the day pictures. It just looks super uncomfortable. Very much so. And hard to move in and to think about, you know, women's roles back then of cooking and cleaning and taking care of children or whatever. Okay, maybe the higher society people had, you know, help for that and, and nannies and whatnot, no pairs, but like still just the thought of doing all those things with those clothing, it's just uh, very uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just imagine going in just like on Halloween or something like on your, to your job and running around and chasing all those preschoolers looking like they were dressed. Nope. I'll go <laughs> my Luigi costume. Thank you very much. All <laughs> <laughs> right. These women fought so I could do that. <laughs> I'm honoring be, them. <laughs> exactly. No, they would be, they'd be like, yeah, right. You wear that Luigi costume. Right on. <laughs> All right. <laughs> you are honoring their sacrifice. I appreciate that. <laughs> That's awesome. Yep. Uh, I'm glad we can have some laughs with this one because I, I haven't had a lot of laugh for a while. <laughs> Uh, Yep, continuing on. (laughs) Okay, so throughout these decades, both Stanton and Anthony were, well, we remember them, so they were probably pretty incredible speakers. And they were. And they would give some pretty stirring speeches. Now, real quick, I pulled out two of my favorite quotes as I was reading through many of the quotes because I just wanted to uh, bring these out. So, Allie, please read these quotes. They're freaking phenomenal. Yes. Oh, they're so good. So... First one comes to us from Elizabeth Cady Stanton, who says the best protection any woman can have is courage. It's great. It's great. The other one is from Susan B. Anthony, says 
Our job is not to make young women grateful. It is to make the ungrateful so they keep going. Gratitude never radicalized anybody. That, when I read that earlier, almost gave me goosebumps. Gratitude never radicalized anybody. So freaking true. (laughs) (sighs) So good. Yeah, I I had to to put this in the notes because the exact same thing, I, I almost had goosebumps when I read it, where she said, gratitude never radicalized anybody. I was like, yeah, if life is fine, you just keep going. Yeah, you don't, you just, you're not bothered. You're just like, oh, I'm good. Yeah. So... That's why, yeah, Susan B. Anthony, she's amazing. Um, And I think, I I love that quote, gratitude never radicalized anybody. Yeah, it's really good. Well, sadly, in 1902, Elizabeth, Mrs. Mrs. Stanton, she passed away. And in 1906, Susan B. Anthony also passed away. Neither of them survived to see the passage of the 19th Amendment. All right. Now, this is my favorite woman in this entire story. Alice Paul joins the fight. Okay. Now, if you want to talk about someone who is a true American badass, it is Alice Paul. Because she very much took the the view of, oh, you're not going to listen to me? Oh, I'm going to make you listen to me. And I don't freaking care what it takes. And it's freaking amazing, the stuff that she managed to accomplish. And honestly, if it wasn't for Alice Paul, uh, it might have been like the 1950s before the women got the right to vote because she's amazing. Right. Yeah. Okay. So Alice Paul was a very highly educated woman, and she learned how to use civil disobedience to fight for change while in London. So thanks, all you UK listeners. So shenanigans. Shenanigans. Exactly. She's all about the shenanigans. I like it. Mm-hmm. Now, when she returned <laughs> to the U.S. in 1910, she joined NASA and brought her tactics with her. All right. Or shenanigans. Shenanigans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, his shenanigans are cruel and tragic. Which makes them not shenanigans at all, really. Evil shenanigans. I swear to God, I'll pistol whip the next guy that says shenanigans. <clears throat> Hey, Farva, what's the name of that restaurant you like with all the goofy shit on the walls and the mozzarella sticks? You mean shenanigans? No! You're talking about shenanigans, right? Put those away! (laughs) (laughs) All right, so this is the friggin' This this one's great. This is just one of those just chef's kiss. It's so good. March 3rd, 1913. And yes... Inaugurations were held in March back then. But anyway, on March 3rd, 1913, Alice Paul organized a march to coincide with and to distract from the inauguration of Woodrow Wilson. Yeah. So I remember it's like, oh, my crowd was bigger than your crowd. It was the biggest crowd. Yeah. Shut up. She was like, no, my crowd's bigger than your crowd. And I'm not even doing it for the inauguration. I'm uh, organizing a women's march. Go, screw you. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and apparently some of these 19th century boomers in the group got tired of her stunts because in 1914, uh, she went off and founded her own group because they're like, oh, you're just too radical for us. And she's like, shut up. I'm going to go do my own thing. Uh, so she's like, I said, she's awesome. <laughs> so I like her. Yeah. I want e- to be her friend. <laughs> yeah. Even when uh, NASA 
got all tired of her, sick and tired of her shit. She was like, I'm doing my own shit over here. It's fine. I don't care about you. I'm going to keep fighting because I'm awesome. And she is. <laughs> all right. Well, the organization that she formed, uh, it didn't actually start with this name, but eventually it, it morphed into the National Women's Party. Now, our little fun little shenanigan tactics did not stop her. She's she's just going to keep going. And this is this is my favorite. This is my favorite one, actually. She organized a seven month, seven month picket of the wow. White House. Yeah, seven months. Just took turns. Just you know, straight on and off. Tired, tired time. They were there seven months picketing the White House. Wow, that is not that is not a small amount of time by any stretch of the means. Yeah, a seven month picket. That's not a short amount. Of, yeah, that's freaking. It's that's amazing. Anyway, um, longest one I've ever heard of. <laughs> Now, as you can probably guess, this got her and several others arrested. And while in prison, they decided to say once again, screw you, and went on a hunger strike. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And uh, what did the what did the men decide to do? What did the men decide to do? Well, we had to take care of the ladies, as we always do. And they decided to force feed them for up to three weeks at a time. Well, good news that we actually have uh, freedom of press. Well, the news got out that these activists were being force-fed in prison, effectively being tortured, and let's just say, had a real bad look. And they decided to let them go, because... <laughs> Good. Yeah, so, yeah, they had to endure um, all sorts of heinous torture. But, hey, yeah, I think it kind of started to work, because around that time is actually when Woodrow Wilson was started to go, yeah, I think they, I think we should probably give them the vote. Yeah, seven months of this picketing. <laughs> After all of this, <laughs> all of this. Yeah, all of this. It's like, <laughs> maybe we should just give him the vote. <laughs> yeah, there's a uh, fun fact, if you didn't know, Woodrow Wilson, he's actually the uh, the president that had a stroke, and there's a podcast you can check out. It's fictional, but kind of based on possible history, uh, called Edith, uh, Edith uh, Wilson. Uh, because he, I, he had a stroke in office and Edith Wilson used to just like listen in and say, oh, he said this. But a lot of people like to think that Edith was just running the country for like six months. <laughs> so in many ways, Edith Wilson was kind of the first woman president. <laughs> ah, I did not know any of that. That's interesting. Yeah. So another fun fact about uh, Woodrow Wilson, he had a stroke in office and Edith was like, nah, I'm in charge. It's fine. <laughs> I, I got this. You, you guys can go home. I got this. Yeah. So, hey, you remember that March in 1913 with uh, um, freaking Woodrow Wilson and all that? Well, let's go ahead and talk about someone who should have been totally allowed to join the march. But, you know, we get a shady history with all of us and it's important to bring up. So, like I said, before we move on, I thought that was very important to bring up Ida B. Wells. She was actually a school teacher in Memphis. Well, she was also writing for the city's black newspaper, The Free Speech. All right. She is best known for her anti-lynching activism and for exposing and condemning the inequalities and injustices for the Jim Crow South. Once again, another woman that I thought was a freaking amazing badass that I didn't know about. I, I, her, now I've actually heard of her. Like, again, it's, it's a small bell in the back of my head because it has been forever. We're talking back in high school, probably. But I have heard her name. Okay. Well, she was she's freaking awesome from what I, everything I could tell. All right. Now, 
Like we said, her writing pointed out the lack of education and economic opportunities for her black neighbors. That's basically what she was mostly focusing on. All right, as you could probably guess, writing about the horrors of lynching, she got a whole lot of enemies in Tennessee. She was. A I'm bitch. sure she did. Yeah. Yeah. She was eventually forced to flee Memphis when the free speech office was wrecked by an angry mob and threatened to kill her if she returned. Good job. Yeah, that's another fun little story for us. Yay, yay America. Good job. All right. Uh, <laughs> Yikes. Uh, she obviously continued to write about uh, the racist violence of the former Confederacy and campaigned for a federal anti-lynching law. Which, once again, good job, America, was never passed. Yay. Yay. We suck. <laughs> right? Uh, yeah. Sometimes that. you're just like, really? Hey. <laughs> what? Uh, I, I've got no words. Yeah. I, I mean, there's a part of me that just wants to say, technically, we already had one. It's called murder. So, uh, yeah, no murder, everybody. No murder. All right. <laughs> it's pretty terrible. All right. Now, speaking... Hey, remember that 1913 March? March? March. <laughs> that 1913 March? Well, Ida B. Wells decided to... Hey, I'm in town. Let's join in. I'm a woman. Uh, I'm going to march right alongside them. Ooh. Hey, remember how the whole um, kind of women's movement got started off by a bunch of, you know, abolitionists and those that were... Anti-slavery. Apparently some more people joined and they're not as nice because they told her. Oh, this is bad. Oh, no, we don't want you at this march. Oh, that's horrible. No, thanks. Well, once again, Ida B. Wells said F that noise. And she decided to march anyways because, well, she's awesome. I mean, for her, because holy hell. Yeah, uh, I mean, what are you going to do? Run from a bunch of angry mobs in Memphis just to be told away by a bunch of hoity-toity white women? No. No. <laughs> no, I'm on March. Idiot. Now, this is where uh, the experience taught her that the view of many white women held for equality wasn't equality for everyone. So, yay. Even back then, like, that, what's sad is, like, that is crap that we still see these days, which is Horrible. And it's something that dates back as far as that and even further. And the fact that it's still happening is just atrocious. Yes, I agree. And yeah. So anyway, let's go ahead and jump ahead to 1919. Right there in January. The dumbest... Oh, never mind. I'm not even going to finish this. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, I'll, I'll, I'll read it. It says, in January 1919, the dumbest... Actually, no, I won't even finish that sentence. This even this isn't even in the top 50 stupidest things we've done. Yes, the 18th Amendment was ratified in January 1919. If you don't know, that was prohibition. Okay. Oh, fun fact. If you would like to know a really easy moniker on how to remember what's the which ones were prohibition. It's like, you know how in many states it, it, you have to be 18 year old, uh, it, it used right. to be 18, like you go buy beer in, in, in Europe or yeah. something. 18. It's 18 and the 21st repealed it. 
See, it's the 18th Amendment uh-huh. and the 21st Amendment. <laughs> That's nifty. Yeah, just think of the two ages that are, huh. that are around those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those, yeah. Are, those are the two prohibition ones, 18th and 21. Yeah. All right. Yes, the 18th Amendment was ratified January 1919, more than a year before the 19th Amendment. Ninth Amendment, if you didn't know, that is the one that gave women the right to vote. That's a good one. For the sake of time, we're going to jump past the role that World War I played in all this. Uh, because it actually played a very big role. Uh, you remember World War II, Rosie the Riveter, and where a lot of like women's rights stuff came from there too? World War I had a lot of that too. So, just, that, Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. A lot of dudes suddenly disappear from the labor market and... Hey. <laughs> that's, that's, that's what happened. <laughs> hey women, you're great. Come do these things now. Thanks. Mm-hmm. I always said we're going to jump past that because it did have a big, big role. Because eventually, eventually, right there, August 18th, 1920, the 19th Amendment was ratified. And there, I thought, I thought it was just a fun, just, I'll just say, fun little bit of irony, if you will. Hey, you remember that state that Ida B. Wells was basically chased out of, you know, Memphis? Tennessee was the last state to ratify the 19th Amendment. Fun, yeah, fun that, that makes sad sense. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, fun fact there. Yeah. Um. Anyway, let's talk about list a little bit about the battle for ratification. It was actually known as the War of the Roses. And if you wonder, you're like, well, that's weird. Uh, it was called the War of the Roses because anyone who was for ratification wore a yellow rose on their lapel, and anyone that was against wore a red rose. So it was kind of like a very easy way of of seeing where you stood. That's oh, right. Interesting. Yeah. 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 Now, the whole ratification process actually very easily passed through the Tennessee Senate. Okay. So most state houses, if not all, uh, follow the same type of thing. They got a Senate and they got a house. Right. Well, the house was very deeply divided. It was pretty much, it was actually a tie. I believe it was 49 to 49. Okay. So fun fact. Uh, that's, that's the little fun fact that we're going to talk a little bit about here today. All right. Like we said, this whole thing, the entire ratification of the right to vote was passed by just one vote. Okay, It actually went 50 to 48. When a very young Harry Byrne, he was a 24-year-old freshman to the house, switched from a no to a yes. In fact, he was wearing a red rose on his lapel when he voted aye, as they, they say huh. back then. Now, by flipping, he ratified the amendment because this was as basically everyone that was involved in the fight, all of the women involved, viewed Tennessee as their last best hope because they they had all the states they needed. They just needed one more. And all the states that hadn't ratified at this point were mostly southern states. And no offense to the South, but you don't always have the greatest history when it comes to equality. Let's put it that way. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that is where they, they were at. As a matter of fact, um, Mr. Harry Byrne actually had to hide in the attic of the state house until it was safe to come out. Because wow. basically a riot broke out. Um, well, they because they thought they had it in the bag. They thought all they had to say was, no, no, we're not voting for this. And, and it wouldn't have been ratified. Women wouldn't be granted the right to vote and put all this whole poppycock to bed but no harry Byrne changed his vote and he said yes now why did he switch 
His mother wrote him a letter. <laughs> I love this. <laughs> now, his mother was named Phoebe Esminger Byrne. I'm going to just, you know, kind of last name. All right. So she wrote a letter and hey, Allie, what did she write him? <laughs> so great. Dear son, hurrah and vote for suffrage. Don't keep them in doubt. I noticed some of the speeches against they were bitter. I have been watching to see how you stood. but have not noticed anything yet. Don't forget to be a good boy and help Mrs. Cat put the rat in ratification. Your mother. Love that. <laughs> Called out by your own mother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Basically, that letter right there, in many ways, if you can think about it, was the reason the entire 19th Amendment was ratified. Fun little twist of history. All right. Like we said, there it is. That's what it took. And if you didn't know, this is the entirety of the 19th Amendment. The right of citizens of the United States to vote shall not be denied or abridged by the United States or any state on account of sex. Congress shall have power to enforce this article by appropriate legislation. That's it. That's all it was. That is what they ratified that day. Now, that's where that's where our little story ends today. Sorry. We're not going to keep going. We're not going to keep going into the Equal Rights Amendment. You know, the amendment that hasn't passed. Uh, hey, maybe we can talk about who Phyllis Schlafly is in the future and how she is not a ally. Put it that way. Yeah, she's an awful person. <laughs> I don't know any of these things. Just saying. <laughs> Phyllis, Phyllis Schlafly, however you say her name. That's not one of those that you that you want to know the, the reason to. No, oh, you don't. Okay. You don't want right. to know her. Yeah. Um, I'm yeah, you to look want, it up later because I'm curious now. But yeah, yeah. She's awful. <laughs> <I'll> just, <laughs> All right. Like when I'll, you hear I'll, some of her speeches, you'll be like. <laughs> if I ever reach the point where the name Fran doesn't immediately make my blood boil, then maybe I'll be ready for her stories. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah the, in case you're curious, the, the Equal Rights Amendment has never been ratified. And it actually came about around the same time. Okay. And if you haven't, if you haven't guessed, Equal Rights Amendment is basically, hey, men and women have the equal rights. That's pretty much all it said. It's equality. All right. Never ratified. Hmm. Sexist much, America? Yeah, a little bit. Yikes. Now we know. And knowing is half the battle. Now, what the heck was the point of this story? Why the hell did I decide to tell this story instead of why Taranda did this whole thing with the loon and all the it's, it's a cool cutscene, but no. I didn't talk about it today. I didn't feel like it. I felt like talking about this. Now why? Well anyway, just to get a little glimpse into my head. Here we go. Well, this story was to let everyone know how I process news that makes you question what you believe to be true. It's a method of bringing clarity with what feels so unbelievable. And second, it's to remind all the men that this is sadly our problem to fix because we created it. I'll just point you back to that little story, right? It was, yeah, it was Harry Burns' mom that sent him the letter, but he's the one who had to vote yes. She didn't have the vote at the time. The best she could do is send her son a letter saying, Hey, dude, let me vote. 
I'm watching you and I'm not happy right now. (laughs) I see you got that stupid red rose on your freaking little vest, asshole. I didn't raise you to be a jerk. (laughs) Well, anyway, all the women that fought for this right ultimately didn't have the power. Like we said, it was the men that had to be convinced by the women in their lives that their opinions matter. And like I said, it was Harry Byrne that cast the vote that broke the tie, but not until his mother convinced him to do so. So, think about that. Dude's running around with a red rose thinking it's cool. And his mom had to be like, I didn't raise you to be like that. Right, like it was it was the accepted culture at the time. Yeah. And it, it took someone standing up to what is right to make a change. Yep. Now, why, why am I bringing up a story from like freaking 1920 now? What's the freaking point? Well, it should serve as a reminder that we're not so far removed from this fight. Fun little fact, Betty White, America's favorite golden girl, at least mine, I love Rose, was born in 1922, only two years after the ratification. She's 99 right now, but she's still alive. So she went through and saw all this stuff. Remember Alice Paul, the freaking badass, not going to put up with any of this stuff? Shenanigans. She died only in 1977. Wow. Not that long ago. And then if you want to get real crazy about like politics right now, Mitch McConnell and Joe Biden, they were born in 1942. Right? You know, you got president and then the minority leader in the Senate. And oh, the majority leader, uh, Chuck Schumer, he was born in 1950. Which is like, like if you think about it, like we all know these are old dudes. We all know that. But when you think about the timeline in terms of when they're born and when these changes started happening for women's rights and whatnot, it's 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 interesting. Isn't, they become not just old dudes. Like, there's definitely a new perspective there. Yeah, and uh, I decided to just as a fun little little history lesson. I I just was curious because so much of what I was at least taught early on, I don't actually believe it anymore, but taught early on came from my parents. I was wondering where his parents were, were born, specifically Joe Biden, and Mitch McConnell, being born in 1942, 1917 for Mitch McConnell, and 1916 for uh, Joe Biden. So before the passage of the 20th or the 19th Amendment. And you just kind of go like, hmm. And, you know, if you were in one of those states that didn't ratify it, you might be a little upset still. So uh, who knows what uh, story was being told to them. Like I said, it's interesting to keep in mind because these people are still in power. They're in the Senate right now. Right. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Yeah. A little thing to keep in mind. So, we, I, and, and I don't know if, if you're a little bit like me, but when like when I was going through school and I heard 1920 and, oh, and 18 this, I'm thinking like, that was forever ago. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. It really isn't. You think about the grand scheme of things. Yeah. So anyway, obviously we have um, we've come a very long way. All right. Uh, since all this. It, yeah. A long, long freaking way from from all that. But. That doesn't mean it's time to stop fighting for equality. And one little thing that's important for me to remember, and, and everyone, is women can lead the charge, just like these amazing women that we learned about today. But men need to be standing side by side in this fight as well, because, well, those of us with privilege need to fight alongside our friends and colleagues for the change that we need. Without the agitators like we learned about today, none of this would have happened. Remember what Susan B. Anthony said. 
Our job is not to make young women grateful. It is to make the ungrateful so they keep going. Gratitude never radicalized anybody. God, that's so good. (laughs) Now, Now, just me personally, on a personal level, it takes a long time for me to learn some lessons. Uh, When I was younger, I was very much unrecognizable to who I am today. But over time, the voice of reason got through to me and I changed my opinion. So you can't give hope on can't give up hope on everybody is another lesson, too. Um, Yeah. Anyway, that's pretty much all I have. I mean, so before we wrap up here, I am actually very curious. What did you think of this story there, Allie? I'm just immediate feedback i'm curious how'd i do i think you did great <laughs> like honestly like i said like i i'm i'm sad that these are amazing women that i did not learn about i mean obviously you know the couple i mentioned but even with them my knowledge was weak and the refresher i mean with excuse me anthony even like there were bits of her story that i didn't know and so the refresher is really good and to be in general reminded because you, you hear a lot of generalizations about how much women had to fight for equality and the right to vote and whatnot. But to to actually sit down and really learn and hear these stories is empowering, I think. And it, it is a good reminder of the fight that has already taken place to even get to where we are now and the fighting that has to continue for equality for everyone, you know, and it was, it was, yeah, I really liked it. And it honestly, like it made me want to, I don't know when I'm going to find time to do this, but there, there's a couple of names on the list. Like I want to look into for myself for sure and see and find out more. Cause like I said, like I grew up given the impression that, you know, knowing, knowing these empowering things was going to make you a feminist. And that was just, you know, they're, they're annoying and horrible people and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, and, and that's sad. That's how I grew up. And yeah, it, it makes me want to actually just go learn more, which is great. And like I said, it's uh, overall, it's it's empowering. Yeah, I mean, the big one for me, when I, my, my big takeaway is just a reminder and why I think why I got sucked, so sucked into the story is just a reminder that, oh yeah, I, I just, I love stories. Like that's, that's a big thing for me. Stories are awesome. I mean, it's, hey, it's why we do this show. I like stories. <laughs> right, concept. <laughs> Right. So I figured that this would be the easiest way for me to add just my own little, I don't know. I don't know how to even know how to say it, but just my own little fun twist to this whole discussion of we just got to keep going because um, equality is incredibly important as we all, it, it seems like a no brainer, right? But just keep in mind, it was only 2015, 2015. That um, same-sex marriage was legalized. We got a long way to go, right? And, <laughs> six years ago, like I've had, I've had my current job longer than that, <laughs> like, right? It's yeah. it's insane, like, and it's, and it's just so it's so nuts because when I I read all this and and you know I mean the story we started in 1815 and we wound ended around 1920 and that was 100 years ago and it's like it feels. Literally like you know, forever ago, but it's it's just not as long ago as you think in the grand scheme of things. And it's just I think that's what's so bizarre in so many ways that you're just yeah, I don't know. All right. Well, that's all I had. Do you have anything else that you want to add to this full little discussion there, Allie? No, 
don't know. I think I think it's just really good to hear and learn about these things. And I am hoping that others find it empowering as well, especially during this time. I agree. Now, I think it's just, in my opinion, it's, I, think, I think it's a decent time to jump into this. So here we go. Stories. There's nothing in the world more powerful than a good story. Yeah, that's why I did the episode today. <laughs> uh, I could probably could have done a better job, but hey, I'm not a historian. Maybe one day. Anyway, <laughs> I didn't really have a lot of time and I didn't look into anything. And I was honestly thinking, what am I going to talk about that even makes sense in all this? And I was like, you know what? Duh. I'm going to talk about the main thing that actually kept me wanting to even do this. I'm going to talk about the fact that we had the Activision Blizzard King employees, particularly Blizzard, walked out uh, and they, they staged a walkout. And and then on top of that, we also had all the players that, you know, logged out all at the same time. Sadly, I wasn't able to do that because I was at work at the time. But yeah, just, me neither. <laughs> I really wanted to, though. Hey, but I didn't play all day, so I helped. <laughs> and it's just I don't know. That's that's just where I, I I am at all this. It's just the fact that we have you know employees that are continuing to call out the BS of the of the corporate side, and they're you know they're willing to walk out and and just you know let everyone know that the statements of Activision Blizzard as a company does not reflect our opinions and, and, and our feelings. That's where I went. Okay, I think I can keep playing. I can keep supporting them because yes i understand that sadly so much of this you know profits and things like this in this country goes to the very top but you know what hey i'm gonna play a stupid game i'm gonna enjoy it and i'm gonna use it as my little escape as i always have and yeah and at the same time i'm going to you know support them in this fight for making a better workplace for them and Hopefully making a better workplace for, for everybody. So that's right. I mean, they could they could quit in droves and no one would blame them, but they're not. I mean, there may have been a few that it wasn't publicized. We, we, we don't know. But for the most part, <laughs> they're not quitting and they are fighting. And that's like I said in the beginning, it's just it's inspiring. And it makes me want to fight and call for accountability and just do, you know, my small part to stand with them. Yeah, I very much agree. And that's what I'm going to keep doing. So, yeah. And there it is. There it is. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> Things are going to happen. <laughs> Things are going to happen. <laughs> Things always happen. It's fine. Edits make me sound smart. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to Live, Laugh, Lore. If you have a topic you'd like us to discuss, or a question that you're just dying to know the answer to, send us an email at livelaughlorecast at gmail.com. You can also follow the show on Twitter at live underscore laugh underscore lore. You can follow Jen on Twitter at Jared Cooster, and you can follow Allie at Allie Anders K. Meanwhile, be kind and take care.